title of my message this morning is A Bigger God. A Bigger God. Now, for those of you who are at Empower thinking, oh, I don't know if I want to hear another, that message again. For some reason, I can't preach the same message twice. <laughs> Leanne gave me a compliment. She says, your preaching's like lightning. I'm like, wow, fast and lights up the sky. She goes, no, no, you never seem to preach it twice. You can't preach the same message twice. It's the same notes, but I never get it twice. So come with me in your Bibles. We're going to go to uh, the book of Numbers first. Let's do, do the book of Numbers, chapter 14. Numbers, chapter 14. Just bump your neighbour and say, man, I hope it's good this morning. <laughs> Numbers, chapter 14. Yell out when you're there. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. Verse 2, and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said to them, if only we died in the land of Egypt or if only we died in this wilderness. Verse 3, why has the Lord brought us out to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should become victims? Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. Guys, there's a great opportunity in front of us. How many people know that every opportunity comes dressed in work clothes? How many people know that on the way to, to church this, this morning, there weren't gold bars lying on the side of the street? <laughs> Honey, is that a gold bar? They're just laying on the pavement? If, if something's good, you better believe there's some giants. You better believe this. Verse 8, if the Lord delights in us, then He will bring us into this land. And give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Now, now, you need to understand the context of this is Numbers 13. Numbers 13, the Bible says the 12 spies come back from the promised land carrying a, a, a large thing of grapes. And they say, you know what? It is true. It is what God said is true. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. However, now let me just tell you about the word however. However is not a friendly word. However and but are twins and they is ugly, okay? Like whenever, whenever, whenever anyone says however or the word but, just erase whatever was said before it. Like when, when, when if your wife says to you, oh my gosh, you're such a wonderful husband. Just ignore everything that came before because just... Put on your helmet, your pads, because you're going to get a whooping. But, so this is what these guys are doing. God said, yeah, 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 however, but there were giants in this land. Not only that, the cities are fortified, so it's difficult. It's challenging. It's a land that devours its inhabitants. The people are numerous. Moreover, we, just saw, we saw the descendants of Anak. The Anakim, the giants, we saw their descendants in the land and we were like grasshoppers in their sight. And we were like grasshoppers in our sight. We're not able to take the land. <laughs> That's the context. 
10 spies, this is what they were saying. If I can just kind of summarize and abbreviate what they were saying. 10 spies says the giants, the obstacles and the difficulties in the land are bigger than our God. The God that we see is smaller than the giants. The God that we see is smaller than the fortified cities. The God that we see is smaller than the difficult circumstances. Caleb quiets the people, tears his clothes and says, what are you guys talking about? If the Lord delights in us. Now, why did he say that? Because it was God who said, I have come down to deliver my people out of Egypt. 400 years of slavery. They were slaves to Pharaoh. They were completely disabled. They were completely unable to deliver themselves. They could not rescue themselves. They could not escape from Egypt. They neither had the will nor the means to get out from this bondage. So God Himself came down. God Himself raised up a deliverer and God Himself with miracles and signs and wonders delivered His people out of bondage because He delighted in them. Not only that, but He took them through a wilderness. He took them through a desert for the last 40 years, for the last 40 years in a desert where there's no relief from the heat during the day and there's no relief from the cold at night. He was a pillar of cloud by day and He was a pillar of fire by night. He took the edge off the heat during the day and He warmed up the frost and the cold in the evening. It neither did their shoes nor their clothing wear out while they were in there for 40 years, their shoes and their clothing supernaturally were sustained. He brought water out of rocks. He created streams in the wilderness. He brought manna from heaven, quail when they hungered for meat. For 40 years, He had provided for them. And while all the while, He's promising that they're gonna cross into a land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now they're here and they're saying, the God that we believe in is too small and the giants are too big big. But Joshua and Caleb quiet the people and say, what are you talking about? If the Lord delights in us, hello, He delights in us. He is able. He is able. Pastor, what do you guys do all week? Probably the number one question that we get asked, you know, oh, you're, you're a pastor of a church? Oh, that's your team? What do you guys do all week? I think we would kind of sit around. Um, let's, anyone got a guitar? Oh, yeah, bring it out. Kumbaya, my Lord. Kumbaya, oh, Lord. Yeah, I think we just sing around. No, no, no. Can, can I just tell you my job, my job, my job, my job is to convince you, is to remind you that no matter the licking, no matter the whooping, no matter the disappointment, no matter the pain, no matter the struggle, no matter the challenge, no matter the disappointment that you face during the week, that when you come on a Sunday, I'm gonna magnify, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you that your God is bigger. You should leave church every Sunday knowing my God, if my God is for me, what can be against me? My God is bigger, my God is greater, my God is larger larger than any circumstance or situation I can face. And He lives on the inside of me and it's His delight. It's His good pleasure, the Bible says, to give me the kingdom. 
Every Sunday you should leave believing that your God is bigger, that you have a bigger God. Have a look at Psalm 34, Psalm 34 verse 3. I love that this is in the Bible. I just like the Bible because the Bible says things that if I said them, I'd get in trouble. Psalm 34 verse 3, I think it's on the screen behind me, says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. What are you talking about? Magnify the Lord. Let me just ask you, should one magnify the Lord? Are you trying to use hyper... The God of the universe requires no hyperbole. The God of the universe requires... No, 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 no. He doesn't need magnifying. You and I need to magnify because when you, when you put something on it, you can study it. You can say, wow, look how amazing this is. Have you seen this? When we magnify, the Bible says, let us magnify because we shrink our God. We, we shrink our God down to our pain, down to our disappointment, down to our perspective. But God is bigger than you think He is. That's why Ephesians 3 verse 20 says, now to Him, now to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power. He can do exceedingly. Do you know what exceedingly is? Exceedingly is those blue lights in your rear vision mirror. Oh, wow, what have I done? Uh, Sir, you're exceeding the speed limit. I thought it was a suggestion. No, no, it's a speed limit. Your God does exceedingly. Over the top. Excessive. Many of us who have brought up, been brought up in a Christian household have, have, do not have any concept of God being exceeding. We, we, we've been told of the God who's on a tight budget. The God who stays within the parameters. Oh, the Lord will provide your needs, but not your greeds, you greedy little man. No, you know, so, so my Bible says that God does exceedingly exceedingly, abundantly. You know, we just, we just ask, Lord, can I just tell you something about our stage? Our, this, this stage is a platform for the, for the development of future powerhouse men and women. Preachers, prophets, prophetesses, builders of the kingdom. On this stage, the, the, the entryway, the baptism to get on, getting onto this stage is usually you'll find his prayer. We'll get somebody up from, and you'll say, well, I don't even know that. And then, man, they busted out a prayer. As Dr. Matt would say, dude, they just laid down a prayer. Oh, they tied one on. You know, as Dr. Matt would say. And, uh, oh, dude, I was so rough. And so, so, so we get people up here. But here, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know, I don't, give, I don't give the team very many, you know, kind of qualifications, but the one word you are not allowed to say when you get on this stage to pray that disqualifies you is the word just. Just. Lord, we just ask that, Lord, you just move on our behalf and just. Let me explain why, because I can see I've got a few people offended. I can't believe you just said that. What is crippling the church especially in America. And you need to understand it's a beautiful quality. It is a beautiful quality in, in a human being to have sincerity. The Bible talks about sincere hope, sincere faith, sincere love. But when I read my Bible, I have to switch gears when it comes to faith. 
when it comes to prayer because the Bible doesn't say the prayer of sincerity will save the sick. It says the prayer of faith will save the sick. So, so, so we have what I call the sincerity gospel. That if we're just sincere, God isn't moved by sincerity. When you, are, you, and I, when you and I are sincere, we endear other people to us. Sincerity is for people, but faith is for God. The just shall live by faith. When I return, we'll really find faith in the earth. God, God looks for faith in His people. Sincerity is what helps you with, with your, your work colleagues. Sincerity is what helps you in your marriage, in your relationships, but not with God. Don't bring sincerity into, 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 a, into an atmosphere that, is, that can only move forward, where things can only travel from heaven to earth through faith. Don't try and bring sincerity. So we, 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 we don't have just. Lord, we just ask. You know, it's like, God, I don't want to ask anything difficult. I don't want you to strain yourself. I don't want you to pull a muscle. So let me just kind of dumb it down here. Let me ask something that's not too... Cha we insult God praying small prayers. We insult God. When we pray small prayers. You know when Leanne and I moved to, to San Diego to start the church, 2005. So I kind of, you know, I have, I have public obedience and then I have a public face that, that I model in front of Leanne, that I model in front of the kids because my job is to put faith and hope in them. They need to know that everything's all right even if I don't believe it's all right. Because if, if I show them, oh, it's all, we're all going to die. If I show them that, they're not going to have any security. It's going to just disrupt the home. So I need to say, oh man, it's all going to work out. What are you talking about? And so I, that's what I do for them. Then I got to go and I got to go, okay, God. Now the door shut. Where are you? And that's when I... So, so when we get here, the devil's telling me, ain't nobody coming to your church because nobody knows you. You are a fool. You should have started your church in Australia where people knew you. People knew you there. You had a profile. You had a reputation. You had influence. You should have started there. But you started here and said, no one knows you in San Diego. I'm like, oh my God, no one knows me. And you know the 100 grand you just put on your mortgage? Uh-huh. You're going to lose it all. I'm going to lose it all. Not only that, you're going to lose your home. You're going to lose everything. The kids, inheritance, everything's squandered because you idiot. You listen to God. Why did I listen to God? And, uh, and then God's like, yerks, yerks. You know, I'm building my church. Oh, you're, you're, you're building a church. I'm not building it on how many people know you. I build my church on getting people to know me. Remember that verse? When I am lifted up, I will draw. All you got to do is just lift up Jesus. You don't have to lift up your name, lift up your accomplishments, lift up what you've done. You just lift me up. Just lift, just lift, just lift me up. Just lift me. It, to lift him up means someone's pulled him down. To lift him up means that, that we have to exalt him. Magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. When I am lifted up, we live in a world that wants to pull him down. We live in a world that is fractured by, has God really said? 
In other words, can he really be trusted? Can you really put your hope? Are you, are you, are you emotionally reckless putting your trust in a God you can't see? No, no, just, just, you know, just be secure in what you can do independently in your own strength, and your own power. At least you know if you're in control of your life, then you've got, no, 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 has got, no, 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 I'm going to exalt him. I'm going to teach you trust in the Lord. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. He will make things straight. He will make things right in your life. And so, 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 so God says to me, no, no, I'm building my church. And so I said, okay, God, I said, look, doors shut. My mama is dying in Australia, but we came. There's a few other circumstances going on. You know the challenge. You know the sacrifice. God, I was talking to people who planted a church and they told me that one of the biggest pains, one of the biggest griefs, one of the biggest disappointments that they had to, to handle was the fact that they had families join the church. They were praying for families to join the church. Families joined the church. But because they didn't have any children's church ministry, because they didn't have a children's church worker, those families, you know, after a few weeks or months would, would say, hey, listen, we love this church and we love your heart, but... There's nothing for our kids. So, so we just got to go to another church that's got a kids ministry until such time as you grow big enough where you have a kids ministry. And the fact is when people are leaving, you can't grow big enough to have a kids. And so, it's like, and so I said, God, on the first Sunday, I want to have a full-time kids worker. And I said, not only that, but I've heard other stories about people. Yeah, you know, the worship was lousy. They didn't have any worship. And, and you know, because they didn't have a band. I said, God, I want, I want a full-time kids worker. And I want a band. I want a full band on the first Sunday. So we landed July 4, six weeks later, August 21. We have our first service in the Marriott Hotel in Del Mar. And on our very first Sunday, over six weeks, God does these wonderful little miracles where we have a full-time kids worker. And we have a full band on the stage. Full band on the stage. Yeah, it's worth a clap. But I look back now and think, what a doofus. Oh yeah, you little, why didn't I ask God for, hey God, I want a building right by the freeway with clear visibility from the 805 with LED screens. And I, and I, I, I want a Michael Coe. I want a freaking genius that can put video and media stuff together that's better than anything Spielberg's produced in years. How good is the Expand video? He stayed up till like all hours of the morning to do the recap video. Beautiful Kaylee Co grabbed me this week and she said, oh, you know, I said, how you doing? She said, oh, good. You know, Michael didn't come home the other night. Now you need to understand, I've been pastoring for 25 years. When a wife says, my husband didn't come home, it's usually, oh, sugar. We've got to go into, we've got to go into, we've got to go into severe counseling. You know, there's, you know, we've got to try and hold the marriage together. You've got to deal with, but he wasn't, uh, he didn't come home because he was out, you know, in Vegas, you know, gambling and whatever. He, he he was here. He was, and she was like, but it's awesome because I know that what he's doing is going to take him power and I release him and I'm so happy for it. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. This is awesome. What a legend. They're a legend couple. Kaylee Cohn. Behind every great man is an even better woman. Behind every great man is an even better woman. Let me just tell you that much. <laughs> 
I would have known, I would have asked for a Michael Coe back then. I would have said, God, give me a building by the freeway, LED screens, give me multiple sites and one million dollars. I mean, if I would have known. Everything I asked for, he gave me. The problem is I didn't ask for much. For some reason, I thought I was making it easy on God to just do these little things. And so God's like, Ooh. Gabriel, hold my hand. <laughs> yes, I did it. Oh, I didn't think I could, but I... No. How many people know that God... Come on, something. Nothing is impossible with God. All things are possible with God. What is impossible with man is possible with God. Now listen to me. I've got to try and preach this. What, what is impossible with men? You and I are with men throughout the week. You and I are with men in our education system. You and I are with men in the way that we're brought up. We are with men. We are with the philosophies of men. Because we are with men, we live with impossibilities. We are taught this is possible, this is impossible. When you come to the house of God, the preaching of the Word of God should put a word in your spirit so what is impossible with men should take you into a place where you are now no longer only living with men, but you're in a dimension where you are walking with God. And Enoch walked with God and he was no more for God took him. He went to heaven without dying. Because what is impossible with men is possible with God. My job on a Sunday is to put an injection, put a shot in your veins that your God is big, that your God is bigger, that your God is greater, that your God is mighty. He is mighty to save, that He is a Redeemer. He is an everlasting Father. He is a wonderful Counselor. He is a wonderful Counselor. I'm not sure if you've ever been to counselling, but a good counsellor tells you what you don't want to hear. That you're like, yeah, you know, I'm just a victim. This happened and then I lost my job and I got fired and my wife wants to leave. And, and, and then your counsellor will sit there and listen and say, oh, do you know what the common denominator is? Yeah, life's against me. No, it's you, you jackwagon. <laughs> me? Yeah, you, you're the, your fingerprints are on every train wreck in your life. Oh, why do I do change? I don't like change. Can't you change everything else around? Don't you just have a magic wand? Like, tink, can't you just spread Tinkerbell pink cedar? No, 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 you got to change. A wonderful counsellor will tell you what you don't want to hear, but it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I remember hitting ceilings in our marriage thinking, how am I going to push through this? Because the pattern that I grew up, the example that I grew up with was one of dysfunction. And God says, yep, Jurgs, you are the jack wagon. However, I am a perfect father. And if you go to my word, I've given you instruction. Husbands, love your wives. Okay, I love her. No, 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 you don't understand. Husbands, Love. Husbands, love. Don't just, don't just live. Don't just take. For God so loved, He gave. Love gives. Are you giving her what she can't provide for herself? 
Because for God to love the world, He gave His only begotten Son because we couldn't provide atonement before the Father. We couldn't provide salvation. So God gave what we couldn't get. For he says, if you keep pouring into her what she can't do for herself, you will elevate, you will elevate. She will blossom, she will blossom. And then everything that you want, she it will just flow from her because all her... I'm like, wow, God, you're so smart because He's a wonderful counselor. God will make you smarter than you think you are. I want you to leave every Sunday knowing that your God is bigger. People should, in, in, your, in your jobs, in your careers, in your companies, in your organizations, say there's something about you. We, we need to promote you to VP. We need to promote you to general manager. We, we need to just give you a right. You, you're the head of sales. You're the head of, there's something about you. You have access. You have supernatural access to a God with whom all things are possible. He is a wonderful counselor. He is a mighty God. He is bigger than your giants. He is bigger than your circumstances. But in, in the Lord's prayer, Jesus says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he says these words. He's teaching the disciples to pray. He says, give us. Give us. You need to understand this is kind of pretty bold. Some would say, well, it's obvious he's not a parent. Hello. Because if I say to, to Zoe, Zoe, when you get to school, go up to the and say, give us. I beg your pardon, young lady. You say, may I? Where's your please and thank yous? What kind of parents do you have? But Jesus says, no, no, when you, when you approach your, your papa, when you approach Abba Father, you say, give us. Well, isn't that a little bit familiar? Yeah, He wants you to be familiar. He wants you to be intimate. He wants you to be close. Give us. Now, there's a reason. He just talked about your kingdom come, your will be done. Because the way the kingdom comes and His will is done in our life is through your asking. The size of your ask is directly correlated to the size of your God. Now, I did say ask. The size of your ask. The size of your ask. Some people have a small ask because they have a small God. But you know the size of your ask by the size of your God. So I find, I find, I, I find I'm reading Joshua. I'm reading about Joshua and he's in a battle and, and, and the sun is about to set. The sun is going down. He can see the mountains and the sun is just about to hit those mountains. And he knows if they just had maybe three more hours, they could completely wipe out these enemies of Israel, these enemies of God, if they could just. And so Joshua, I love what he does. He removes himself from the battle and he goes to God and he says to God, God, we need, we need just a few more hours. And God says, well, ask. And he says, I want the sun to stand still in the sky. And God says, I can do that. He says, all right, then if you can do that, I want it to move back. Backwards three degrees. I wanted to move backwards three degrees. And God says, okay. And so, but you need to understand how many people know some physics? How many people know that the sun doesn't revolve around the earth? Galileo, Copernicus. The sun doesn't revolve. The earth and all the planets revolve around the sun. The sun is the fixed point. The sun is the fixed point. The planets revolve around. So, so for the sun to go back in the sky means all the planets, all the planets have to do a reverse. All the gravitational pulls of the moons and everything and the have to go backwards. And the Bible says it happens. It happened. Oh, wow. Why did it happen? 
Because he asked. He said, well, I didn't know God could do that. And God would just say, well, you never asked. The Bible says that God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. So he laid his hands on handkerchiefs and sent them across the countryside and they would take the handkerchiefs that he prayed for and they would put them on sick people and they would get up healed. They put them on blind people and they get up seeing. They put them on people who were demon possessed and the demons would come out screaming because I didn't know you could do that. And God's like, well, you never asked. We never asked because we shrunk our God. You and I shrink God down to our disappointment. Let me explain that. <laughs> if, if I lit a fire on the stage and I put my hand into that fire, to keep my hand in that fire, I would now have to override a mechanism that is inbuilt in us called self-preservation. Self-preservation would cause my hand to immediately jump out of the hot flame. Self-preservation caused me to pull it out. For me to keep my hand in there, I have to now override self-preservation. Because of self-preservation on the inside of me, I find that when I'm hurt and when I'm disappointed, on a subconscious level, I say, I'm never going to trust again. I'm never going to step out again because I don't, want, I don't like this pain. I don't like this horrible feeling, this feeling of disappointment, this feeling of, and so all I'm going to do is rather than ask big things of God, I'm just going to shrink my God and just ask small asks because I don't want to, I don't want to step out again, believing for big when, when I'm just, dis- and so we shrink God to our disappointment. You ask any psychologist, psychology tells us that as human beings, we, we move towards pleasure, but we move away from pain. We move towards pleasure, but we move away from pain. That's why, that's why we will never run a series, you know, because we, we always do series. We do marriage series, relationship series, you know, all kinds of series. We will never do a series on how to, how to get grossly overweight. Church, here are seven keys. How to just live in mediocrity. How to lose your home through foreclosure. How to ruin a really wonderful, blossoming romance. The seven keys of neglect. You know, we, we will never teach. The, you know why? Because y'all do it already. We do it already. I know I shouldn't have a piece of cheesecake for $5.95 at Cheesecake Factory, but it just looks so good. I'm going to the gym tomorrow. Well, not tomorrow, the day after. That's it, I'm going to the gym every day. Well, not every day, you gotta let my muscles breathe. I'm joining the gym. And then a month later, yeah, we haven't seen you. You haven't, you know, it's like, I, 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 I find that I move towards pleasure. Sitting on the couch eating Doritos is easy. Exercise, discipline, Budgets, budget, who wants to live by a boring? I move away from pain and I move towards pleasure because of the Bible says, he who loves pleasure will be a poor man. 
He who loves pleasure will be a poor man. So, so, so I find that self-preservation can work against me because when I ask God for something and I'm disappointed, I reduce my ask down to the level of comfort, down to the level of pain. My pain I, I let my pain threshold now determine, but I've got, to, I've got to come to the house of God where He binds up our wounds. Watch this. Jesus says in, in, in Luke 4, He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good, news to the poor. How many people are familiar with the verse? The, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor. Next verse. Test. Next verse, once he preaches the good news to the poor, watch this, to bind up the brokenhearted. Because he knows as I send out my word, as I preach good news, the first obstacle is going to hit is your broken heart. Because you hear and you say, my God, I hear what you're saying. That is good news, but it can't apply to me because my broken heart tells me I've done something wrong or I'm just not right or I'm too sinful or God has forgotten or God has, I don't want to step it. And so the first thing that He does after He preaches the good news is He has to heal your broken heart so your broken heart can believe again, so your broken heart can ask again. The size of your ask is the size of your God. Can I just encourage you? God is bigger. God is greater. God is beyond anything that you've experienced thus far. Don't shrink God down to your disappointment. Don't shrink God down to, to broken. Don't shrink God down to heartbreak. Don't shrink God down. Let God, let God arise. Let Him be exalted, magnify the Lord. Your God is bigger. He is a healer. He wants to heal your broken heart. He wants to move powerfully in your life. Hey!